Welcome to Bakersfield First Assembly of God's podcast. Pastor James is fired up and ready to preach. I hope you enjoy this sermon. One thing I've learned is that veterans are usually humble and don't like the attention, but it's important for us to honor our veterans. And so if you're a veteran, would you just stand so we can see who you are? Let's give them a hand. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Blessings on you forever. We are grateful. I'm continuing our series entitled 356. And so let's recite Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 together. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Very good. All right. Now, I hope you're quoting that a lot. Whenever you are concerned about something, the scripture is is there to encourage us. And on a daily basis, we need direction from the Lord. We all face decisions and choices, and we need to know God's will for our lives. And we have to include God in our decision-making and in our planning, or it is arrogance on our part. And for the sake of review, the first point we studied last week was it is prideful to make plans without God. It is the height of arrogance and the depth of ignorance to think we are in control of our own destinies. As Christians, we are to submit our will under God's will. And so the question is that we've asked many times, I'm sure, is how do I find God's will? I want to do His will, but sometimes I'm not sure what His will is. And before our pathway becomes clear to us, there are three key steps to find the will of God for any decision you face in your life. And as we've studied, the first step is to trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's number one. If you want to know God's will in your life, you've got to trust Him. You've got to do all that is required because trust means to run to God to, for refuge, to be confident and secure in His love, and to surrender all to His will. That's what it means to trust the Lord. The second step is to lean not on your own understanding. To find direction in our lives and to come to know the will of God, we must trust in the Lord and not lean on our own understanding. It requires both. We may think we are trusting the Lord, but we may actually find out that we're still leaning on our own thinking and our own experience and our own mindset. We say we trust the Lord, but our 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 words betray us because we're trying to make sense of it. We're trying to understand it. Now, the word lean is sha'an in the Hebrew, and it means to support oneself, to rely on, or to rest. And my second point last week was we cannot support ourselves with our own understanding or the world's reasoning or the understanding of other people. In truth, we are to knock down strongholds of human reasoning that come up against God's wisdom. The third point we studied last week was we are not to rely on our own understanding. We're not to rely on military might. We're not to lean on and, and seek help from, how, how many know you can't have hope in politicians? Oh my word. Shocking election that we've just experienced. But you know what? We're not worried because we lean on God. We don't lean on mankind. The Bible warns us against things that we should not trust in certain things. We are to lean on and seek help from the Lord. He is our king. He is our God. He is our leader. 
Now the word lean in sha'an also means to rest. And we see the use of this word, and this is where we left off last week. In 2 Chronicles, King Asa of Judah was facing a fierce battle with the Cushites. I just love all the ites that you find in the Bible, the Amorites, the Malachites. In this case, it's the Cushites. I don't know if they were cushy or what was their thing, but uh, actually they're a descendant of Cush. So one of these days, maybe I will do a sermon series on all the ites in the Bible. And so King Asa was a godly king of Judah, and he was facing this battle. And we pick it up in 2 Chronicles 14, 11. And Asa cried out to the Lord his God and said, Lord, it is nothing for you to help, whether by many or with those who have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on you. That's the word sha'an in the Hebrew. Same word in Proverbs 3, 5 about leaning on our own understanding. And so in this case, we're not to rest on the world. We're to rest on God. And in your name we go against this multitude, O Lord. You are our God. Do not let man prevail against you. And because they leaned on God and not their military might, God brought a great victory. We will never have peace, rest, and security if we keep leaning on our own understanding. In reality, we will have angst and anxiety instead. And so my fourth point is this. We won't find rest in our own understanding. In fact, just the opposite. The Bible warns us about using our own brain and, and using our own mindset and our own thoughts and trying to figure things out, trying to make sense of things. We should not rely on our human reasoning and experience and understanding. In fact, look at what Proverbs 28, 26 says. He who trusts in himself is a fool. Wow, mincing no words there, are we? But he who walks in wisdom is kept safe. You see, when we trust in ourselves, I've got this. I've got this figured out. I've got it down. I know what I'm doing. And when we as believers put confidence in the flesh, how many of you know that's dangerous? We don't put confidence in the flesh. We push, put our confidence in God. And if you will trust in the Lord and not lean on your own understanding, you will rest in the Lord. If you don't lean on your wisdom or the world's wisdom, but you lean on God, you will find that rest you're looking for. Because our wisdom will give us stress and worry. God's wisdom will give us rest and peace. In the Ironside Commentaries, it says this, God has given us his word to guide in every detail of life, so our sanctification might be by the truth. It is therefore inexcusable to lean on our own poor, finite intelligence. Now, we may be smart. Some of y'all may be a genius, but it's nothing compared to God's genius. And so God will guide us if we follow his instructions. See, sometimes when we think we know best, we take our path, and that's going to bring problems. But God promises to make our path straight, to direct our steps, if, if we follow his instructions and not our own reasoning. This weekend, I went to see a funeral of the children's pastor, her husband. I'd served with her for 12 years. And so we were in Ojai, and we were staying the night with the grandkids, of course, bless God. And they did a little laundry, and somebody brought the laundry out and says, whose is this? 
And I was like, that's mine for my truck. And I was so concerned because it had gone through the wash. And there's only one keyhole in my truck. It's the driver's side. And a couple months ago when someone broke into my truck, they must have shoved a screwdriver in the lock because now it won't open anything. So the only way I can get through, get into my truck is with this fob or dongle, whichever you call it. How many more fob? How many dongle? The fobs have it. That was an easy election. Maybe I should be in charge next time. And so I'm like, oh my goodness, I don't want to have to call AAA, you know, and, and I, you know, I've got, I was looking for a Slim Jim. The last time I used a Slim Jim on my old pickup, I broke my window. So I didn't want to try that again. And so I thought, okay, we'll do the old rice thing, right? You take it apart and you put it in rice overnight and supposedly the rice is supposed to draw all the moisture out of it. And so I let it stay overnight. I blew it with a forced air, can of forced air, put, and got a new battery, got a new battery. And I, I, I wanted to make sure I put it in right, so I looked at the place where the battery goes, and there's a plus sign, which means what? Positive. Thank you. Some of you are smart. <laughs> Smarter than me. Because I saw the plus sign, and so I know that's where, you know, these little thin batteries like the size of a nickel. And so it said, there's a plus sign, and on the top of the battery it had a plus sign, so I put the plus signs together and went, went out to my truck, and I, and I prayed, oh God, please let this work. Push the button, nothing. Push it again, nothing. I was like, oh, so disappointed. So I went back inside, and I thought, I don't know what else to do. I don't want to call AAA, because you know, I I, I, they've seen me a lot. And, you know, they know me by first. Hey, James, where am I towing you to this time? And so I went to look at the dongle. I'm sorry, fob. Went to look at the fob more closely. And it, I saw that it was a plus sign. And then there was a word next to it that said up. Plus positive up instead of positive down. And so I, I flipped over the battery. And it worked. Bless God. This is the only way into my pickup. Please do not, if you see it on the floor or something, because that's a possibility, please save it for me. It would only work right when I did it the right way, and that's the same in life in our walk with God. It'll only go right for us if we do what's right for God. We have to follow his instructions. We can't go off on our own tangent, making our own decisions, making our own plans without God. God knows what's best. I've seen it in my life. Time and time again, there have been situations where I wanted something or wanted a particular job or wanted a particular thing. And when God said no, I threw a fit. And yet years later, I th I'm thanking God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you that that didn't work out. Thank you, Lord. I'm so glad that uh, it worked out with Jolene. Bless God. As we have already studied, there are things we are not to trust in. In addition, there are things we're not to lean on. At the top of the list, we are not to lean on our own understanding. Now, let's define the word understanding in the Hebrew. It's binah, and it means insight, discernment, wisdom, knowledge, and meaning. And so we're not to lean on our own insight. We are not to lean on our own discernment, our own wisdom. We're not to lean on our own knowledge and meaning. In fact, this word binah comes from the word bene, which means to separate mentally, to distinguish, to discern between. 
And so in our attempt to understand things, we separate and divide things in our mind, don't we? We have these little cubbies and little compartments. Okay, this goes over there, and, and, and since I've got this figured out, I'll put it over there. And so that's what we do in our own understanding. We're, we're separating things, and we're trying to divide things in separate categories. We also try to distinguish and discern between different possibilities and scenarios. Do you ever do that? And if this happens, then I'll do this. And, it, and then if this doesn't work, it'll be plan B. And if plan B doesn't work, it'll be plan Z until I get through this. We try to imagine if they say this, then I'll say that. If this happens, this will go there. Is there anybody besides me that does this craziness? Yeah. Amen. I'm not alone. Bless God. We're in the right place together. But that's what it means to lean on our own understanding. We're trying to figure things out. We're trying to consider the possibilities, the what-ifs, and if the if-onlys. We're either stuck in the past or fearful of the future. And so we organize and group things to try to make sense of it all. That's what this word understanding, leaning on our own understanding, what we've divided and separated out, what we've grouped together, what we've, the scenarios we imagine in our in our mind. Number five, leaning in on our own understanding leads to overthinking things. Anybody? Don't raise your hand. This is a rhetorical question. Is anybody an overthinker in this room? Don't raise your hand. Don't elbow your spouse. I will confess I have a tendency to overthink things at times. Webster's Dictionary defines overthinking as, listen to this, this is great. See if this, make, if this is a mirror to you. It means to think too much about something, to put too much time into thinking about or analyzing something in a way that is more harmful than helpful. That's what it means to overthink, to spend way too much time thinking things through. Scenarios. And we find out that we, when we overthink, our mind kicks into gear. Man, we can't sleep. We're on hyperdrive, and, and our, our mind is just running wild because we're overthinking whatever we're going through. And we spend too much time overanalyzing. But how many know you can, it's wrong to overthink something, but it's never wrong to overpray? Yeah. If you're going to do something to an extreme, how about prayer? In fact, the Bible tells us instead of letting our mind go wild, that we are to pray with thanksgiving in Philippians. We spend all this time overthinking because we believe if we can understand something, then we can control it. And as we studied Wednesday night in the book of Job, that the goal was to know God, not to know him, but to control him. And, now, and we realize God will not be controlled by us. How many know he doesn't check with us? You know, and hey, there's something going on in the universe. I wanted to run this by you, James. <laughs> well, I'm glad you've come to me, God. We overthink things. And we, we think if, if I can just figure this out and I've got every scenario, then I can control this circumstance. I can, I can control this situation. I can control my life. I can, you can't even control the dog. In my case, it's a cat. It's terrible. Cat never does anything you want it to do. 
They will not be controlled, that's for sure. But overthinking doesn't work. And not only that, it harms us. The research has proven time and time again that when we obsess over something in our mind, it actually accelerates our heartbeat, it releases adrenaline, and that constant surge of adrenaline elevates everything else that's not good. Psychologist Sonia Lubomirsky, I can't pronounce her last name, maybe you can. She said this, the evidence that overthinking is bad for you now is vast and overwhelming. If you are someone plagued by ruminations, you are unlikely to become happier before you can break that habit. Think of if you overthink things, kiss happiness goodbye. If you ruminate, what if, if only, your happiness will be gone. And she goes on to say, I will go as far to, as to say if you are an overthinker, one of the secrets to your happiness is the ability to allay obsessive think, overthinking, to reinterpret and redirect your negative thoughts into more neutral or optimistic ones. Well, we've, we've heard this. We all know this. We've got to change the way we think. We've got to stop being negative. We've got to stop listening to the voice of the devil and start listening to the voice of God. We know this, but we've got to put it into practice. We've got to break the habit of overthinking. If you find yourself overthinking, and those of you that you know who you are, if you find yourself overthinking this week, I challenge you to stop it and quote Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Stop your overthinking by using the word of God. Even secular psychology affirms the truth of God's word. Because understanding can be a good thing if it comes from God, but not from us. And I want you to know that God will never lead you into overthinking things. He wants you to trust. I mean, his whole point is God saying, I've got this, not you. I've got this. All I'm asking you to do is Trust me and stop overthinking things. Is that a word for anybody? Don't raise your hand. Just raise your hand in your heart. I see that hand. Number six. God alone understands everything perfectly. No human being understands everything all wisdom, knowledge, and understanding comes from the Lord. The, the technological breakthroughs, the scientific breakthroughs, the medical breakthroughs, I mean, no, that all comes from God. God shared his, his wisdom with humanity. And so no one can claim that they know it all except God. God really does know it all, past, present, and future. He's omniscient, which means he's all-knowing. And Job realized this. In Job 28, verse 20, he said, Where then does wisdom come from? Where does understanding, same word in Hebrew, where does understanding dwell? Drop down to verse 23. God understands the way to it, and he alone knows where it dwells. We cannot know anything apart from knowing God. Our understanding is always faulty in some respect. We'll never get it perfectly right. There's always something missing because we're human. 
And there's gaps in our knowledge that only God can feel. And the Bible promises in 1 Corinthians that, chapter 13, that we only know in part. We, only, we don't know the whole story. There are things that are happening in your life that you won't know the answer to until heaven. And then in the meantime, we're called to trust. When we don't have answers, we're called to trust in him. The complete word study dictionary says this. God has graciously endowed human beings with the ability of understanding and comprehension. But this faculty is not infallible. And therefore, we are to ask God for guidance at all times. You know, I, I, want, I never want to make a mistake. I'm a perfectionist. I'm true confessions here. I never want to do anything wrong. I never want to make mistakes. I, I want to be perfect in everything I do. And no matter how hard I try, I am not. And those that know me really know I am far from perfection. And yet, I realize that there's always going to be that gap between what God knows and what I know. And that gap we're supposed to fill with trust. Between what God knows and what you don't know, that gap is supposed to be filled with trust until we go home to be with Jesus. And then the Bible says we'll know, we'll know as, as we've been known. We'll finally know. And, and probably, in most cases, finally won't care because we're with Jesus. And that's the goal of our faith. My last point, number seven. God's understanding is always greater than our own. You know, we're like a toddler trying to play with a computer. We are, we are so clueless compared to God's knowledge. I remember when I was a youth pastor under Frank Triggs, and Jolene worked at Wells Fargo Bank, and so I was in my office one day, and Jolene was working, so I had Josiah with us. He was about a year old. And I'm sitting at my computer, and he's crawling around under my feet and, you know, going all over my office, just destroying everything. And I'm busy typing an article. I had a, a newsletter, a youth newsletter, and I was typing an article, and all of a sudden, my screen went blank. I looked down, and he had pushed the green button, the green light. He pushed it and turned my computer off, and guess what? I had not saved how many times is that going to happen to us before we learn to save? If you learn to save, you will be saved. And I was like, oh, no. I was freaking out, but there's, you know, he's a toddler. He sees a green light. He sees a button. He pushes it. It's just like us when we're first saved. Oh, what's this button for? And so he didn't know what he was doing, so I couldn't discipline him. I mean, a little toddler sees a blinking green light. They're going to press it. They're going to chew on it. They're going to put it in their mouth or something. And so about a year later, we were at another church up in Washington State. And Josiah was supposed to be taking a nap. Now, Josiah, I can say this because he's a grown man and, and I can I use him as an illustration. But now he's about two years old and he was supposed to be taking a nap in his bedroom. And he was known for this. He would sneak out of places. He, he escaped our church nursery and somebody found him in the alley. I'm not kidding. I've told you that story before. And so we had to redesign the nursery because of him. And so then when we finally redesigned it, we threw him in there to see if he could escape. He was our test module. 
And so another time, he escaped from the... We, we had put a lock on the front door just so you don't turn us in. We're not bad parents. We put a lock up high up. And while he was supposed to be taking a nap, he came down the stairs, used the doorknob. Yeah, talk about a lack of information. Doorknob. And he pulled himself up and unlocked the lock we had and escaped into the snow. And he stole the neighbor's big wheel. And, and Jolene was panicked because she came out and the door's open. She runs out and he's riding the big wheel in his diaper in the snow. And he's headed toward a main highway and she's chasing after him. He's just on a big wheel. And so he, we were used to him escaping. And so one, another time, he's supposed to be taking a nap. And I went into the bedroom. He's gone. Again. What is with this kid? So I went into the, the spare bedroom where my computer was. And there he was, taking my floppy disks and throwing them like Frisbees. <laughs> Remember floppy disks? You're dating yourself, y'all. Now, you youngsters out there that don't know what a floppy disk is, you can Google it. But I'm so old, I learned to run a computer with a cassette tape. Remember the, the VIC-20? Anybody remember the VIC-20? My dad had a VIC-20. And so he's just taking my floppy disks, which are really fragile. He's, whoo! I mean, there had to be 50 disks scattered around the room. And when I walked in there, he's pushing the green button of the monitor. Blinky, 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 off on, off on, off on, off on. And then it would never turn on. And again, it's hard to discipline him because, you know, he's just a toddler trying to play on a computer. And that's us and God. We wonder why we get ourselves in so much trouble because we're toddlers. And we think we know better. And we see the blinking green light and we keep pushing it until it won't work anymore. And so the challenge for us, and we know it, I... You know this. You know that the greatest gift we can give God is trust. And if we trust him, he'll make our path straight. We'll find that out, how that happens at a later date. So now I get to watch my son chase his children around as they're destroying his life. It's awesome. I just sit there and smile. It's all, you reap what you sow, son. I'm sorry, I can't help you. This is it. Our understanding is so limited compared to God's. I, I want to interject Isaiah 55 here. And we all probably know this scripture pretty well, but it fits so well right here. Isaiah 55, 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. I, I want to read it now in the Message Bible. I don't think the way you think. The way you work isn't the way I work, declares the Lord, God's decree. Verse 9, for as the sky soars high above earth, so the way I work surpasses the way you work. And the way I think is beyond the way you think. We have to realize this. God doesn't think like us. And that's a good thing. Can you imagine? If God thought like us, most of us wouldn't be here. God, however you think, 
God doesn't think like that. We, we have to accept this, that on this life, now we, the Bible says we want to know the mind of Christ, but we will never fully know the mind of God. And so what happens is you have to, because see, you're overthinking and your thinking is wrong. What you're thinking about isn't what God's thinking about. And the way we do things isn't the way God does things. And so what we have to do, again, as I mentioned last night, we have to surrender. We have to let go of what we don't understand. And we have to trust God. We're not called to figure it out. We're called to trust him. Would you bow your heads with me today? If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, today is the day of your salvation. No matter what you've done or where you've been, God wants to bring you into his family, make you his son and his daughter. Maybe you've gone through difficult times and things you don't understand. I would invite you to come to Jesus. You may not fully understand, but you'll be with the one who does. God understands. God understands what you've been through in your life. God understands the struggles you have gone through. God understands the hurt and the suffering. God understands it all. And if you will give your life to Jesus, God will make all things work together for good. Even the bad things, especially the bad things. God turns around. This is what's so awesome about God. Not only does he forgive our sins, but he gives us a new life and a new direction and a new purpose. And he's so faithful to turn it around. The things that are bad or mistakes you've made, God can turn it around for your good and his glory. But we never know the day or the hour when Jesus will return. And we don't even know about our own life. We, God knows. In fact, the Bible says that God has set the day. He said that, that it's appointed unto man once to die. So there's an appointment God has already set for your life. And so I just want to encourage you. I, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to just be serious with you. Far be it from me as a pastor not to tell you the truth. And the truth is, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And whoever believes will have eternal life. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, just for the sake of respect of one another, if you want to give your life to Christ, or maybe you've been a Christian, but you've walked away and you know you're not where you belong, would you just raise your hand if you want to accept the Lord as your Savior today? Anyone at all? Praise the Lord. Now I just want to pray for you. If, you've, if you have struggled with overthinking, you don't have to raise your hand. I just want to pray for you because I have a burden because I've, I've battled that myself. Overthinking is a sign of a lack of trust. I'll be honest with you. I realize that in my own life. When I try to think it through, it's because I don't trust God to handle it. And God wants us to be free. I mean, serious. Jesus, take the wheel. He is in control. Lord, I pray for those that struggle with overthinking, struggle with trust. 
Maybe there's things that have happened in their life that caused them to vacillate and wonder. Because you don't think like we do. You don't work like we work. And so it's hard for us to understand what you're doing, but God, you're calling on us to trust. And so for those that have battled overthinking, battled worry and anxiety, and just let their minds go wild, and sometimes it it's, seems beyond our control, but it's not beyond the, the control of the Holy Spirit. So we say no to Satan. We rebuke the enemy. We rebuke his lies. He's the father of lies. And he's the one that tears us down. And so, Father, I just pray for freedom, a release, God, a surrender from trying to make sense of everything instead of trusting you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me? The elders and the board members will be at the front for prayer, or you can kneel in the altars. We'll do our best to keep our conversation in the foyer because people will still be here being prayed for and worshiping the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. God bless you. You're free to go. You've been listening to Bakersfield First Assembly's weekly broadcast. BFA is located on the corner of California and Marilla Way. We meet every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. in person and online on Facebook and YouTube. For more information, check out our website, bakersfieldfirst.com or download our app from the App Store.